I recently read an article about reading as a defining indicator of success in school and in life. The parallels with students' social, emotional, and life skills learning were so clear to me that I just had to share my thoughts with you in this episode of the Not Your Normal Social Emotional Learning Podcast. Hi, my name is Nene White, and I have been thinking about, writing about, teaching about, and coaching about kids' social, emotional, and life skills learning for decades. And the more I look into the relevance and impact of social, emotional, and life skills development, the more the subject keeps revealing deeper and more inclusive dimensions. I hope you'll let me know what you think after listening to this episode. And if you'd add your rating or a review, that would be massively appreciated too. Not only does your feedback make this podcast more visible to other educators and parents, but it also helps me to trust that the ideas and insights my guests, my guest educators and I have been sharing, um, it helps us to know that what we've been sharing actually matters to you, that the ideas and the insights we've been sharing are helping you to make even more of a difference in the work you do with the kiddos in your world, in your life. This might be hard at first to believe, but many educators don't fully understand what kids' brains need so that they can remember and use what they read. According to David Willingham, a professor of psychology at the University of Virginia, who has long studied the best ways to teach reading, fact-based and experience-based knowledge often gets left out of teachers' reading instruction efforts. Well-intentioned teachers help kids learn to sound out letters and then form individual words, a process referred to by educators as decoding individual words, Yet those same teachers are baffled sometimes by the fact that so many kids have trouble comprehending the full content of what they've decoded. Willingham contends, and I I think this makes perfect sense, that kids lack uh, a lack of knowledge about the subject about which they're asked to read is the reason for the lack of comprehension during reading exercises. Even when they can read the individual words in a book or on a worksheet, In other words, even though many so-called poor readers can sound out words when they see them in print, they often do not comprehend most of what they're sounding out. Comprehension, it turns out, is a whole other ballgame, and it requires at least two other layers of enrichment besides the decoding skill. Layer number one, a continually expanding vocabulary, which needs to be used, in other words, exercised in their daily lives and interactions. And equally important, layer number two, factual and experience-based knowledge of the subjects they're reading about. In a word, relevance. In seven words, in what ways does this matter to me? And in eight words, sorry, I couldn't resist, how does this show up in my life? Here's an extreme example, just to make the point. Reading a book about a game that kids have played and enjoyed is going to gain a lot more traction, in other words, achieve a lot more comprehension, than a book about scientific theories, because, number one, the kids won't have uh, the necessary vocabulary to bring out the meaning of the combined words and sentences in the book about scientific theories. 
And number two, the kids won't have any lived experiences to relate to the combined words and sentences in the scientific theories book that they're asked to read. I mean, when you look at it that way, can anyone disagree with that line of thinking? So what does this have to do with students' social, emotional, and life skills learning? Well, most of us agree that for general well-being and success, kids need to grow in openness to others' perspectives, sometimes referred to as empathy. They also need to increase their capacity and willingness to be personally accountable and take responsibility. They need to notice and be able to read social clues. They need to be aware of and appropriately express their own feelings. They need to practice engaging in mutually respectful relationships, and on and on and on. Those are mighty big concepts, and simply discussing them or reading stories about them or having a lesson or two or three that illustrate those concepts in action has not been shown to create deep or long-lasting impacts on children's behaviors. But there is a way to enliven relevance which creates engagement, which has been shown to increase retention and carry over influence, often referred to as transfer of learning. I'm talking about carefully and respectfully designed peer group discussions, which are structured around around wide-ranging, not so predictable, but topic-related questions. Questions to which students in the group will not necessarily have the same answers, most likely won't have the same answers, but questions to which most of the students will have answers that the other students will be interested in, which works to everyone's advantage. How? When kids collaboratively answer and discuss questions based on their own knowledge, understanding, and life experiences, they gain the benefit of self-expression, of course, and that process of self-expression also establishes ownership of what they know, which they and everyone in the peer group discussion observes and shares for present and future reference in the classroom and on the playground with more and more self-sufficiency. When we want kids to grow their comprehension, in other words, their understanding about and ownership of beneficial ideas, feelings, behaviors, responses, and interactions, we have to do less talking and let the kids do more talking in situations that naturally enable other kids to listen, learn, and share with each other. Ready for a practical example? Perhaps you have some kids in your class who are whispering in front of other kids and feelings are getting hurt. You've tried lectures, you've tried reading books with stories about hurt feelings, and you know what? All of that has value. None of it is wasted or wrong. But for all of that positive guidance and information to get owned by the kids so they actually act on what they know long-term, for everyone's sake, including your own, a different approach one that increases kids' vocabulary and relates to their experiential knowledge, needs to be activated and anchored. The thing is, whispering covers a wide range of interactions between people, 
So one important key to success will be to expand the kids' spoken and visual vocabulary around words and actions associated with whispering. I have created a complete lesson for you on this topic for a peer group discussion, including pictures, which you can find on my blog. Just go to the Kids Own Wisdom website and scroll down to the blog page. Look for episode 38 and the title, Reading Comprehension and Social and SEL Comprehension. There you will see pictures of kids in all kinds of whispering interactions with accompanying questions that invite students to discuss what they see in each picture. For instance, you'll see kids whispering in class. You'll see one child whispering a secret to Santa. You'll see a few kids giggling and whispering, and you'll see a picture of kids whispering while one person is excluded. In other words, the full gamut, not just the single kind of whispering that causes hurt feelings. Being blunt about a subject like this is not the way to bring kids into the discussion in order to increase, expand, and deepen their comprehension. But the right kinds of questions is the way, and the right questions, the right kinds of questions are open-ended. Open-ended questions that introduce relevant new vocabulary and that do not overtly point to the behavior problems that are causing uh, the problems um, are your key to success. We can trust kids to resolve their own problems and challenges on their own by gaining new comprehension about the effects of different behaviors on different people through well-structured peer group discussions. Because well-structured peer group discussions provide opportunities to all the individual kids in the group to answer questions, each from their own individual perspective, which will be engaging and interesting to all the students because the subject matter relates deeply and broadly to their personal experiences. The open-ended questions gently invite students to look at familiar situations from different perspectives based on their own experiences and incorporating their expanded vocabulary, which enables them to integrate their classmates' perspectives with their own perspectives in a completely unforced way so the learning is real and really gets used in the kids' real-life interactions. Relating all this back to reading, when kids are tested on reading comprehension as a separate skill, divorced from any subject with which they are personally familiar, they're at an unfair disadvantage. And, on the other hand, kids who come to school with more prior knowledge are at an unfair advantage. And we all know that that is often the wealthier kids. But it does not have to be that way. Why? Because kids learn from other kids organically. And we, as their educators, are in prime positions to create the most constructive learning environments for every student's social, emotional, and life skills development when we create opportunities that align with how every student's brain acquires knowledge naturally. I hope the main points I've tried to communicate make sense. Bottom line, when we try to teach isolated facts or skills, the likelihood of real learning is handicapped to a significant degree. 
because that kind of teaching fails to teach the way the brain learns. It's as simple as that. As I said before, I hope that you'll check out the lesson resources that coincide with this episode, which I've created for you on my blog. Just go to the Kids Own Wisdom website and check out the blog post titled Episode 38, Reading Comprehension and SEL Comprehension. And remember, your feedback, any and all 100% honest feedback, is immeasurably helpful because the more I learn, the more I need to learn. And you, my fellow educators, are the ones with whom I want to do a big part of that learning. Thank you for being here and for all that you do. Till next time.